All right, we're going to start our Bible study class. I'm only going to need this thing for a little bit. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I want to I want to recover something. We hurried through something. And I want to make sure that this is absolutely clear and thorough with you so very much. A critical thing for you to understand in order to be a disciple of Christ, it is absolutely critical that you understand this. And to understand this, you are going to absolutely have to believe. Now, one of the things that the disciples had that you and I don't have, but we are blessed according to Jesus that we don't have it. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus's majesty and his power. They heard his voice. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hearing the voice of God when he spoke? We long for that, don't we? I long for that in my personal relationship with God that I would have the, the chance to hear the, 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 the Nazarene look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. To look him in the eyes and feel what he's saying to you. To hear, to let his words that called this earth into existence penetrate the hearing of your ears and go into your soul and bring you to life. They watched this happen. They were eyewitnesses to what he was doing. He gathers them together in Luke chapter 9. And I want to go over this again. We, we talked about this the last time. But I want to go over something called authority. It's real important that you understand what it means to be authorized. Okay? Very important. I know we talked about it. We hurried through this. But I really want to press this point, And I got something to add to this here in just a minute. Okay? So in Luke chapter 9, he called the 12 together. They hadn't been with Jesus very long at all. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. They had only been with him for just a, a little while, not long. They were not Bible scholars. They were not anything of the such. They were a group of people that had decided. They had chose. They had given their lives to Jesus. Notice, they dropped their fishing nets. And they went and they followed him. He looked and he said, follow me. And they did. They made a choice, just like all of us in this room have made a choice to follow Jesus. Every one of us in here, we are, we are all followers of Christ. And you have made a personal decision to do it. So what happens as a result of this? So I'm going to read through this. And I'm gonna, then I'm going to read you in eight some of the stuff that led up to this, okay? And he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not even have two tunics apiece. And whatever house you enter, stay there and take your leave from there and as for those who do not receive you as you go out from the city, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And departing, and departing, they began to go out among the villages, preaching the gospel 
and healing everywhere. Give us understanding and unveil the word to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what they had just seen. Now I'm going to take a step back in time. And we're not going to be in nine. I'm going to be in eight. Because Jesus had just sent them out. For what? To go do what he had been doing. They were eyewitnesses to it. They were learning as they were watching. They were hearing him speak. And then they were doing the work. They were going to be sent to do the work. One of the things is of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is this. We've been pew watchers for a long time. We've been hearing all kinds of sermons for a long, long time. Now you need to go and do. That's what the world needs right now. The world needs doers that will come to them and enact under the authority of God what Jesus has told them to do. And I'm going to talk more on authorization here in just because that's very important for you to understand. You all have authority. You have been given authorization from God to do this work. In chapter 8, it says this, Luke 8, 1 through 3, and, it, and soon afterwards, he began going about. Listen to this. It tells the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It tells the very story of what he's getting ready to do with the disciples. This is what it says. And it came about soon afterwards, he began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Now, in chapter 9, it just says, and he called them together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, do you think there's some coincidence in that? That the very next chapter, he's doing this now with them. So here Jesus is going and doing what he's about to ask them to go and do. So they're going to see it getting done and they're going to know how to do it. They're going to have faith. What's going to happen here is Jesus is faith building. He's showing these guys something. He's showing them. He's going to go right here in, in, in the, the very, some of the very first things that begin to happen. Okay. And the 12 were with him. Notice that in verse one, right before we get to verse two, the 12 were with him. This is rightly dividing the word of God. This is understanding the Bible. In chapter 9, we just read this. And there's no coincidence that Luke in his writing, who Luke was a physician, he was very technically minded. He was very technical minded. He was very precise. He had a good memory. He knew how to write stuff down. He knew how to tell things to where we could understand it. So when I read chapter 9, and then I remember what I, wrote, what I read in chapter 8, Luke is telling me right here in Luke chapter 8, and the disciples were with him. Listen, that means something, Bill. They were with him. He was training them for what they were about to do. Make no mistake about it. There is, this is a great class but God's going to, he's getting you to something. He's getting ready to do something with you. He's training you to do something. This is what he says. And the, and the 12 were with him. 
and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Isn't that just what Jesus said that they were going to be doing? Casting out demons. So here's some women that had that done to them that could be with the 12 and bring them encouragement about what was going on. Hey, that happened to me. I've got a history with this. I've got experience with this. Man, I love God's word. Yes. When you read it and you understand it, I love it. It brings enlightenment to us, right? Listen to this. He goes out in Luke 8, and we'll go down uh, to 19 through 21. Jesus begins to, the very first thing he begins to do is he begins to uh, dismantle the importance of his earthly family. This is one of the things that Jesus was teaching the disciples. Quit letting your family control you. When it comes to God, he's number one. He's number one. He will not be second place. The, this is the now rightly dividing the word. Jesus later on tells us that those who put mother, father, son, or daughter above him is not worthy of him. He begins to dismantle that when it comes to spiritual things I'm talking about, not that you just give your family up, but when it comes to spiritual things, listen to what he says. He begins to dismantle this. He says in verse 19, and his mother and brothers came to him and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, him being Jesus. And it was reported to him. Somebody come up to him and said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he answered and said to them, listen to me, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. I'm not worried about what my mom wants right now. I'm not worried about what anybody else in my family wants right now. I'm not concerned about that right now. Anybody who does the word of God is my family. Amen. More importantly, there is nothing, listen to me carefully, please. There is nothing in this world that you do that is more important than seeing your husband saved. Than seeing someone go to heaven and not hell. There is nothing. You have got to establish this in your mind. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're going to evangelize, you've got to understand this. Bill will tell you how much have we been attacked I mean, there's been persecution left and right for us, you know, but we press on because we understand that what we're doing, we're doing for the Lord and people are getting saved. That's, we know we're going to face resistance, but we're going to move forward in Jesus's name because we know what the mission is. It's not mom and dad, brother and sister anymore. That's important and it has its place. But the single most important thing is when God gives you a job to do, that's the job to do. Yeah. All right? So understand that. And he says, <laughs> and this means uh, uh, God's plan and work in your life is absolute number one. Up until this time, uh, they had never done anything like they were getting ready to do. Uh, Jesus is about to give them a mission. Listen to this. In Luke 8, here's another thing that they got involved with. Go down to verse 26. The disciples was watching this. This is right before, right before Jesus sends them out. Right before. Listen to what it says. And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes. 
which is opposite of Galilee. Come on in. Hi there. I've been looking about 10 minutes. I should have asked you that. So, listen to this very carefully. We'll wait. Come on in, have a seat. Go ahead. Come on in. So in Luke 8, 26 through 39, Jesus is teaching them something. Listen to what they're about ready to watch and learn. They're all gathered here watching this. Now I want you to put yourself in their shoes. As you're reading the Word of God, quit reading it as a third person. Put yourself there. Stand with the disciples when you're reading the, the Word. Put your name in there with them, if you will. Imagine how this would have affected you if you were there and seen this going on. How would this have changed your life if you would have witnessed what, what had just happened? They sailed to the country of the, of the garrisons. Okay, we're on a boat. It's beautiful out. We're with the Son of God, and we're crossing the lake, and it's all good. And we get across the lake, and he met a man from the city who had been possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. Now, again, I'm reading on the New American Standard Version tonight. And was not living in a house, but he was living in the tombs. Okay, so the very first thing that you see, disciples, you're getting ready to get sent out. You didn't know this. You're getting ready to get sent out to go preach the gospel. You don't know you're getting, getting ready to get sent out. Jesus is training you. You just went on a nice boat ride. You just went on a on on the first ever listed gospel cruise with Jesus, right? Amy don't want to go on no more cruises, right? Amy had a bad experience with her last cruise because Jesus wasn't apparently on the boat, right? Jesus was in this boat, and you go, here's the first gospel cruise. Where are we going? To the Gadarenes, the Gesserines over here. We're going to go, and we're going to sail across. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Jesus knows what's going to happen. You don't know that God's got these big plans for you plans for you just days from now but here you go you're going over the the sea and you land land and here's what you run into a demon possessed guy who lived in the tombs dang this was not bimini right this isn't nassau right you land and here's the guy and listen what happened the disciples are watching this They've never seen anything like this before in their life. Listen at this. And seeing Jesus, he cried out before him. I wish, a lot of people ask me, why do these demons do this? Listen, it wasn't for the benefit of Jesus. God always has a plan, even using the devil. I want you to watch what happens. Remember, now I'm going to ask you a pop quiz. Who's watching all this? The yes. We are. Who's listening to all this? The disciples. Yes. So disciples are sitting back going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> what is going on? And listen to what they hear the demons say. The demon said in a loud voice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Wait, 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 wait. 
A lot of people say, why do them demons cry that stuff out for? Why are they saying that? Why do you think? Who's listening? So who's this benefiting? What, you, Jesus is okay with him saying this right now because it's benefiting. No, it's not benefiting. G, Jesus knows who he is. The demon knows who Jesus is. But the disciples who don't know they're going to be getting sent out in a couple of days need to hear this. They need to hear this. Jesus knew this was going to happen. God knows tomorrow. He knows yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He always has been. He always will be. That is it. He knows one day from the next. He knew exactly what was going to happen today in your life. And today he was preparing you for tomorrow. Even in the little things that you don't even pay attention to. You think things aren't happening. It's just you're not paying close attention. And I'll guarantee you that probably no other preachers ever taught you this. Because we don't pay attention. You have to pay attention to what God is saying and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Why did that demon say this? Why, was, why did Jesus know that demon was going to say this? Because of the bystanders who was listening, who's going to notice that even demons uh, are under the authority of Jesus' authorization coming very soon. I love God's word. I love it, love it, love it. With all of my heart. Demon was preaching a sermon. He was preaching and they were listening. My gosh. What's that telling me if I'm standing there? Jesus is the man. He's the guy. Yes, right? As I call it, the kingfish, right? He is it. I'm sitting here going, who is this man that the demons look at him? And, and shout before him and cry mercy. I'm going to need this later on. I don't know it yet, but it's, I'm scared to death right now. I don't know it yet, but I'm scared. But it's teaching me something. So here he goes. He said, I beg you, do not torment me. He's showing the disciples that he's identifying Jesus as the son of the living God. He's identifying the power that Jesus has over them. He's putting it out. Jesus isn't doing the bragging here. The devil is. For he had been commanding the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and uh, yet he would burst his fetters and be driven by the demons into the desert. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? This wasn't for Jesus's benefit. Jesus knew who this is. Je the, the, the demon says, answers back and says, we are legion for we are many demons that have entered this man. This man, listen, there's demons don't take up room and space. You can have 10,000 demons in you. Controlling you. A legion, I believe, was what? 2,000. 2,000. 2,000 demons. We are legion, for we are many. 2,000 are in this guy. Yeah. And they're begging for mercy to Jesus. So this Jesus asks him, what's your name? Disciples of this class, tell me then. Use your spiritual mind. 
and tell me, why would Jesus ask his name? Jesus knew who these demons was. Jesus knew how many <coughs> demons there was. And, and if it's for your benefit, then why would he ask? For the disciples' benefit. Because they know that they could come up against thousands. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I think you can today too. You can, absolutely. The, the Bible says he changes not. We change, but God doesn't. We, come, we become more smart and less dependent on God. We go get our degrees thinking that we have, we, we have the privilege of guiding our own selves and we are the masters of our own destiny when we are not. And actually, we distance ourselves from God thinking those kind of thoughts. And it says, what is your name? I'm Legion, for we are many that entered into him. Go down uh, to verse 37. After Jesus cast this, these demons out into a herd of swine, and they run down and go into the, to the, to the water and were choked, all the people of the country of the, the Gadarenes, they gathered, gathered together, look at 37, and all the people in the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding distri district asked him to depart from them. There, you are, let me tell you something. This was, instead of celebrating the work that God had just done in their very presence, the reason why we hear the story of the swine is this, because they thought more of the pigs than they did the man. And so because their pigs were destroyed, they wanted Jesus to leave, even though the man's life was saved. This is how messed up thinking Jesus is trying to prepare them. This is all for the disciples. What's this telling the disciples? You're going to go out into the world and you're going to do powerful works in my name and people are going to think less of you for doing it. People are going to love their things more than they love the work of God that you're doing in someone's life. That's what, that's what this whole thing's about. It's very simple. This whole scenario was for the disciples' benefit. And it goes on to say, but the man from whom the demons had come out was begging Jesus you see, when God does a work in your life, a true work in your life, you want to do something with God. You found the life that you're supposed to be living. And gratitude breeds action and servitude. Gratitude, you should write this down, breeds servitude. When you feel grateful for something, you're willing to serve at its behalf. The problem is, a lot of people just aren't thankful, right? Jesus tells a, a brief parable about two men who owed a king. We're just going to call it one owes a million dollars, one owes 50 bucks. Just to make it to where you can understand it. Jesus says the king simply forgives both of their debt. Who loves the king more? And then the Pharisee answered and said, well, I would assume the one that owed, that owed the million dollars. Jesus says, you answered correctly. Because it was a debt that he couldn't pay. I could come up with 50 bucks. So I'm not that worried about that. But when somebody simply forgives me of something I, don't, I couldn't live 50 lifetimes to pay. Gratitude breeds servitude. Jesus said, who would love that king more? 
You had a debt you could not pay. You were going to hell without Jesus. There's nothing that another man on this earth could have done for you. There is nothing that could have been done. You were on your way to hell and he forgave you. Gratitude breeds servitude. <laughs> he goes on. This is a prayer shawl from Israel. Hold that for me, brother. This is something else they witnessed. This was the attire of the day for every Jewish man. There's meaning in this. The disciples was watching this. I'm going to tell you what the meaning is in this. This would have been war like this. Just like this. Would have been war like this. On every corner of this, there are five knots. See them five knots? Mm -hmm. Five and five equals ten. Five and five on the back are ten. These was these two corners, the two corners, the four corners are together, 10 on the front, 10 on the back. And me as a Jewish man, I would walk and I would feel these and it would remind me of the 10 commandments. This was my reminder. And so Jesus would have his prayer shawl on, just like this. And there are other knots along the bottom. There are 613 laws in the law of Moses, in the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers, 613. And when I was walking along and I was feeling these on this prayer shawl, it was to remind me of the Torah. This is called a prayer shawl. In the Hebrew, it's called a talit. T-I-L-L-I-T, talit. This was the attire. Its purpose was to remind me of God's word. It was my covering. If I didn't have a place to pray, I would put this over my head and I was, look, surrounded by the Word of God. 613 laws, the Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses. And I wore this every day. I want you to read this for me. I want you to read... Right here, from 43 all the way down to 48. Read that whole paragraph right there. You read it. <clears throat> and the woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, mm -hmm. and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, this. Who is the one who touched me? 
And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes are crowding and pressing upon you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We're walking through the town and you're the disciples and there's people everywhere. You hear the sounds of voices everywhere. People are talking. People are scurrying. People are trying to get close to, to you. People are trying to get close to Jesus. Jesus has his prayer shawl on. Jesus is walking through the crowd and he's, and he's trying to get through the crowd and a woman who's willing to give everything she has for to get her healing. She's not going to be stopped. She's tried with doctors. She's tried with everyone. She's tried everything. She's tried every home healing, every remedy, and nothing has worked. But she has seen the miracles that Jesus has wrought. And she recognizes the power of the talit, that it represents the word of God. And as Jesus passes by, touch my garment, she touches the word of God. And the power goes from Jesus, who is the word. She touched the talit, and God healed her because of her belief in the word of God. She didn't just reach out and touch Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment. She touched the word of God, the 613 laws, the power of the book of Moses, the Ten Commandments. She touched the talit, and power went from Jesus. And he stops the crowd, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people all around, and he shakes himself from the touch, and he looks, and he knows, and he says, Who touched me? Who is it that touched me? He knew who touched him. Rightly dividing the word of God, what does the Bible say about our public admission before God, that if we don't recognize God, if we don't come to God, if we don't recognize God in the presence of men, he will deny us in the presence of his only angels. Power had went out from Jesus. That meant somebody had some faith. That meant somebody had some belief. That meant somebody believed in Jesus Christ, and you have to confess it. That's your very first step of being a disciple. And he stops and said, who touched me? And she said, it was me, Lord. Forgive me. And what did he say? <clears throat> he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She touched the hem of his garment. This is it. This is it. The disciples were about to be sent out. Now going into the book of Luke chapter 9, the disciples are sent out two by two, and they go with their prayer shawl. They had just seen demons who recognized who Jesus was, who declared his divinity, who declared his authority who declared that he's the one that would punish them. He de they declared to everyone who was standing there that this is the Son of the living God. Have you come to torment us before our time? Is it you that have come? It's not the time yet. And Jesus and his authority sent the disciples out, authorizing them to do exactly what they had witnessed. 
And they with authority went out and, and believed. They weren't Bible scholars, but they had just seen these things. They knew that, that Jesus said, listen, I'm sending you out and I'm giving you authority. I'm giving this to you. Now you go. And I can almost hear the disciples as they went. Here's one house. What do we do? <laughs> We've come to our very first place. I, I, I wish I had the master's words. I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to do. I, let's go find out if they'll even let us in. Let's just, let's just walk in there. And then they walk up to the door and they knock upon the door and they say words that they didn't even know that they had in them that begin to flow without of, out of their mouths because the Bible says when you reach your moment of need, it won't be you that's speaking. It is I that speaks through you. And all of a sudden they begin to speak and they begin to talk to people and people would touch them and healings were happening and they couldn't believe what was going on and they were so excited and they got to the next door and they said, well, we're getting pretty good at this. This authority thing works pretty good. And they didn't know what to do. They were so confused at first. You know, Jesus just had this way about him. He could just, he could walk up to people and he could just, he knew them from the very moment. But it feels like, brother, doesn't it feel like to you and me and Dana, we're on our little trip and we're talking about all that's been happening. Brother Dana, doesn't it feel like that when we walk up to these houses, it's just like the Lord's talking right through us. Have you noticed that, brother Dana? Isn't it just awesome that when we get to these doors, it's just like another thing takes over that, that when we just are there. Isn't it amazing that, that we say, rise up and be healed? And I, I didn't know what to expect at first, but Jesus gave us this authority and the things that he did is is happening now glory amen <laughs> it's hard for me to understand you know i don't for every trip i've ever taken i've always prepared for the trip you know i i made sure that i had money and i made sure that i had food and I made sure that I had plenty of clothing for bad weather and I made sure that I was I was prepared for the journey that I was on. And Jesus, did it not surprise you when the master said, don't take any of that? Yes. And I was, I was wondering, Brother Dana, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that why he would tell me such a thing. And here we are walking through this town and brother, sister, doesn't, isn't amazing. We don't have a need. Everything that I have need of is provided for me. I'm hungry. Somebody comes out and gives me food. I'm thirsty and we come across the well. Somebody gives me to drink. I'm, I'm, I'm tired and I need to lay down. And, and somebody gives me a blessed covering in which to sleep in. Well, what do I have need of? It seems that maybe the master is teaching me that we can depend on him. Doesn't it bring back to you the very words of the master when David said, I'm old, but I was once young and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging for bread. Isn't it amazing that when we just believe Jesus does everything we have need of? Amen. Brother, let's go. I don't want to stay here too long. I like this. Let's go to the next house. <laughs> and then the next house wasn't so pleasant. And we got to the next house. And we don't want your kind here. We, we, we've heard about your cult. We've heard about your kind. You followers of this, this new man, Jesus. 
when you should be uh, reading the Torah, when you should be going to the temple, off with you. There is people that will receive you and there are people that will reject you. But it's all in God's work. And we have to be about his business. Oh, the disciples were so excited. They had been a part of something they had never been a part of before. Well, this isn't normal temple that we're used to. They all got back together and I can almost hear them talking. Where did you guys go? What happened with you? Oh, you would never believe this. There was a young girl and she was in bed and I had witnessed Jesus do this before, just just, just days before. Tali Takumi, I, I said the same thing and the little girl, she was dying and she rose up from the dead. Wow. Listen to what we did. There was a man who had been sick for years and then a leper come walking up and we, we touched him when everybody else would have nothing to do with him. We touched him and all the sores that were festering in his body disappeared right before our very eyes. Authority. You as disciples have authority. And you should wear the Word of God. You should wear the Word of God. I put this prayer show on tonight. I've preached with this many times. You should wear the Word of God on you. And it should surround you. It should be all over you. It should be on the tablets of your soul. And the men of the day would wear this to remind them everywhere they went, Everything they did, whatever they got themselves into, they were always reminded. Commandments of Moses, the 613 laws that we are to obey, that we are to live. They were surrounded in the word. And when you surround yourself in the word, people will reach out for your touch. They'll reach out for you, for help. For the one that lives within you is reaching through your hands and has authorized you to use his name. The only name given amongst men by which we must be saved. So when you read the word of God and you read that story, Jesus, who was walking through the town, was walking just like this with his talit. And a woman touched the garment. He demanded from her a testimony. We baptize believers. Baptism is a public confession of your faith. We don't do it before we get saved. We do it after we get saved because once you have touched the hem of God's garment, and he has saved your life. It comes to you for a testimony of what God has done for you. And then you turn your testimony to the world. And you live before the world authorized in Jesus' holy name. This is God.
authority. Authority can only be given by a higher power. When someone authorizes you, it's an entity that is above you or someone who outranks you or who has the goods and services that you're providing and they authorize you to use their name, their company, their power of purchase, their power of providing. You have been authorized from the Most High God to give people the Word of God, to heal people, to let, you're not doing the work, hear me correctly, but to lay your hands on people in the name of Jesus, doubting not, knowing who has authorized you, and then believing it. Oftentimes we pray for things and then are surprised when something happens. Yeah. Pray believing one time. Pray as a disciple one time. 